We are starting part four of our series on the book of Job. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. Uh, I'd encourage you to go back um, and look at the last three sermons we've had from the book of Job. This week I want to take a minute um, and look at a couple of verses that we looked at last week, uh, but deal specifically with them from the relationship of the husband and the wife. Uh, the marriage relationship is a unique relationship in that it's an illustration of uh, or an, uh, a picture of our relationship with Christ. So how we deal with our, our spouses, uh, husbands to wives, wives to husbands, uh, is important uh, in our relationship uh, with the Lord, but also as a, as a testimony to the world around us. And so uh, let's kind of pick up a little bit about what's happened so far in the book of Job. And then we'll dive right into uh, the couple of verses we're going to look at and some takeaways uh, from those two verses. Job uh, is coming off of a series of two attacks from Satan. Uh, the first attack uh, is aimed primarily at his family and his possessions. Uh, Job loses everything. Uh, Job loses uh, his livestock. Job loses his way of making uh, an, in, uh, an income, making money. Uh, he loses his ten children. Uh, and before he has time to recover from that, uh, we find that Satan comes back in chapter 2 with another round of attacks, convinced that this round of attacks would cause Job to curse God uh, to his face. And, and so this attack in round 2 was on Job's health. Uh, we see in, in chapter 2, verse 7, that he struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And Job took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes, and of course we know he's sitting at the city dump. Uh, these sores covered him from literally the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Uh, they cracked, they oozed, uh, they created an itch that, that just couldn't be scratched. Um, he had a high fever. In fact, he was so disfigured by them that as we get later on in chapter 2, as his friends show up, he's got three buddies that show up to see him, um, he's so disfigured that they don't even recognize Job. Uh, didn't look like himself at all. And in all this, Job didn't fight it or attempt to escape from it. He didn't try to pack thing, pack his wife up and what few servants he had left and sell his house and move somewhere else to try to avoid all this. Um, he, he endured. Uh, the only ones that he had left when all the dust settled were his wife and, and these three friends. And, and none of them really gave him any affirmation. There was no encouragement. There was no comfort. Um, no soothing words of compassion, no hugs, no um, uh, you know embrace of affection. And yet, despite not getting any of that, Job still endures. And I read, and, and it, it stuck with me, um, as a result of enduring pain, we change from being mere sufferers to wise counselor and valuable comforters. Let me read that one more time. Uh, as a result of enduring pain, we become or we change from being mere sufferers to wise counselors uh, and valuable comforters. I want to read to you a, a passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 or chapter 1 verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 uh, I'm sorry verse 3. And it said blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice what he says about about our God and Father. He's the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. Who in verse 4 comforts us. So he is the father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, 
There is no affliction, there's no suffering that we endure that God, the, 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 the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, is not comforting us. He is always comforting us. And then, he, then we find Paul writes this word, so, and, and it, it leads us to something, a, res, a response to that or an action on our part. So we have God who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. So we are afflicted, God comforts us, and, and, and we take that comfort that He's comforted us with, and we comfort other people. And it doesn't matter, we don't look for people with the same afflictions as we have. Uh, we just simply look for people who have afflictions, and in some way, um, our affliction that we've experienced and seeing God's comfort through that will enable us to bring comfort to other people. So he says that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So again, as a result of us enduring pain, or, or as Paul says, affliction, we change from being mere sufferers to wise counselors and valuable comforters. John Eldridge wrote a book called Wild at Heart. If you're a, a man, um, I would greatly encourage you to read that book. It's a, it's a wonderful book. But in his book, Wild at Heart, John Eldridge writes, he said, I don't trust a man who hasn't suffered. I don't trust a man who hasn't suffered. Now, if we look back on it uh, and think about it, some of the best counsel we received didn't come from, uh, lack of a better word, a rookie. Um, it, it, it's come from people who bear the scars of a, of a struggle or, or a circumstance, people who have endured through pain and sorrow, the difficulties of life, and, and much like Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, have been comforted by God. They've come through that, and now they're comforting other people with the comfort they had received. And so it's here that we pause and get some sound advice from Job. Now, one of the things that I wish, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a human, as a, as a man, there are times that I wish I would read the Bible and it would speak to me like a three-point sermon. Here are three things, Andy, that you really need to do, or here's three truths that, that you really need to understand about this text. Um, but oftentimes what we find is the text um, speaks directly about some things, but it also speaks indirectly about some things. And so what we find from this, uh, a couple of verses, three, two verses we're going to look at today, um, is really some indirect advice that we glean from Job's relationship with his wife. We're going to look at it from two different angles. One, Job's relationship to his wife and his wife's relationship to Job. And so uh, just some advice uh, that we that I, I would like to pass on that um, really speaks some truth and I hope will will help our marriages not just merely survive but actually thrive. And so first I want to I want to speak to some wives, um, if you listened last week, um, basically, I, I'm just going to share the, the two points I made last week to wives. I want to make them again. But number one is this, always guard your words. If we were to expand that a little bit, um, always guard your words when your husband's going through terribly hard times. Something to understand about us men is that when we go through sustained hard times, uh, we don't want to admit it, but we often are, are weakened uh, for some reason um, hardship has a tendency to sometimes strengthen women, uh, but but when it's prolonged hardship and affliction, when it hits and stays, men have a, a, a tendency to, to be weakened. And then uh, as a result of that weakness and that sense of weakness, um, we become vulnerable. 
Um, and, and to be honest with you, we don't handle vulnerability very well. Anytime, if you've ever tried to have a talk with your husband, you know when it gets down to emotions and vulnerability, uh, we have a tendency to clam up pretty quick because we don't handle vulnerability very well. And then when we become vulnerable, uh, we have a tendency to become afraid, like we're losing grip on some things. And, and so uh, I encourage you, guard your words. Um, there are times that we, well, I would say more often than we care to admit, we need, um, we need your wisdom. Uh, you offer a clear perspective. You offer wisdom uh, and, and spiritual strength. And, and more than anything, like I mentioned last week, pray for, for your husband uh, more than you've ever prayed for them before. What we need most is, is we need to know that you're praying for us, that you uh, are, are, are interceding on our behalf to the Lord. And so, so pray uh, because we need your prayers and we need uh, your emotional support. Um, you know, we need words of confidence and, and, and encouragement. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18, uh, verse 21, you know, has a tendency to speak. Well, it, it speaks a whole lot of truth. And if you've never read the book of Proverbs, I'd encourage you to, to, to there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Uh, take a chapter a day throughout the course of a month and read it. But in Proverbs chapter 18, um, verse 21, we, we see this death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I, I don't know if we fully comprehend uh, the the impact that our words can have. I was listening um, to a sermon uh, by by a guy named Seth Botzell. He, he, he pastors City Hope Church in Centralia, Illinois. Uh, get online, listen to some of his sermons. Great stuff. But he was talking a little bit about on the, about this on his sermon from Sunday that that death and life are in the power of the tongue that we literally have uh, the the ability to to kind of to, to speak life into people and not not literally like like God does in 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 the, in the creation account where he literally speaks things into existence. But I think if we were to kind of unpack that idea that we are created in the image of God, our words hold power. Now they don't hold the same power God's words hold. Uh, but we, but but death and life are in the power of the tongue. And and wives, I'll, I'll I'll say this: nobody has the ability to speak life into my weary bones like my wife does. Uh, a simple act or a simple word of encouragement from her can mean so much to me, especially in times uh, of struggle. To hear her say that she's praying for me, or to just have her give me a hug and say, "Baby, I'm here for you. If you ever need to talk." Uh, just let me know. But we need those words of, of, of encouragement. And, and, and no one can speak life into, into a man like a wife can. Um, nobody's words means more to him than his wife's. And so, wives, uh, your words mean more to us than we often act like they do. And, and I, I want to go back to the text because uh, if we look what, what uh, Job's wife says after all this suffering, now granted, understand this, before we deal too harshly or critically on Job's wife, we have to remember that Job's wife has lost everything too. Um, it's not just Job. Uh, Job's wife uh, ha- has, has, you know, she's lost possessions. Um, she's lost life as she's known it. She lost her 10 children. Now, I'm a dad, but I'm not a mother. And so that maternal instinct is a little bit lost on me. But I cannot imagine the grief that she must be experiencing 
over losing ten children that that she has has nursed and that she has has uh, bandaged wounds and and rocked to sleep and 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 wiped tears out of their eyes. I mean, to imagine the grief that she must be going through, and and she's. I think at this point, man, it's almost like she has just reached the end of her rope. And, and she says to Job, she says in verse nine of of Job chapter two, "Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die." And, you know, those weren't really the words, I, I, you know, going back to this, guard your words, wives. I, I think in this moment, in her in her suffering and her grief and her sorrow, she just let down her guard. And, and, and we can't really judge her by a small snippet of life, but we can draw from it wisdom uh, to help us in, in our marriages and our relationships. And, and the point here is um, guard your words, always guard your words around your husband. The second thing is this, never suggest we compromise our integrity, even if it would provide a a, a temporary relief. Uh, When we're weakened by trials, uh, the only thing a man wants is we just want a little bit of relief. Um, And and we're easily seduced by words that offer that relief. Uh, Because most men consider that achieving a little bit of relief uh, is pretty well the most important thing when, when times are hard. And Job needed his wife to say, she didn't need him to say, uh, why do you hold fast to your integrity, curse God and die? What she needed to hear Job say is, Job, whatever you do, hold fast. I'm here with you. I'm I'm with you wherever you need to go. I'll endure whatever God requires or wants us to, to endure but don't compromise your integrity. Don't look for an easy way out. Don't look for that sense of relief. Let's walk with God through this together. And so never suggest we compromise our integrity. So um, that, that's advice to wives. Now, indirectly, we get some, some advice to husbands. Uh, and, and we find Job's response to, to his wife in verse 10. And, and I, I want to say something. Job listened to the words of his wife. Uh, he, he pondered them. He considered them. He didn't misunderstand her or ignore her. She heard what he said. He didn't interrupt her. And then he responds in verse 10. He says, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? Now, most, it's interesting that he would, he would say that. And, and I, I want us to understand when he responds to her, you know, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. I don't, I, it's, I don't think, it's, it's not a harsh rebuke. Um, I think actually it would probably sound something more like, honey, you're, you're speaking as, 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 as one of the foolish women do. I think there was love and compassion and, 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 a, and a, a sense that he wanted to help guide and direct his wife here. And, and most of us men, I read this, most of us men aren't hard of hearing uh, we're hard of listening. Our wives often have important things to say, but we've formed this habit of of kind of mentally turning off their counsel. We we justify it. We say, well, you know, she doesn't work in the environment I work in, or she doesn't have a lot of experience in this particular area, or she doesn't know the 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 weightiness of what I'm dealing with. But there are times, and, and often critical times in our marriages, that wives will speak truth to us, and if we're not listening, we'll miss it. In fact, I think they often say things to us. They don't come right out and say something. They're not beating us over the head with a, with a uh, pillowcase full of a soap. But they do subtly say things to us that we miss that often will speak volumes into the lives of our marriages. And so if we're not listening, we miss it. 
Um, and when we do listen and when we do respond, always tell her the truth. If what she has to say is wise and it aligns with what you know to be true and it aligns with what the scripture says, then tell her that. Let her know that that she was a helpmate to you. Let her know that that she was a blessing to you there and thank her for it. And if it's not helpful or it doesn't align with what is right, if it doesn't align with the scriptures, then tell her that. Job disagreed with his wife and, and he says so. He didn't chastise her. He didn't rebuke her. He didn't talk down to her. He just told her the, the, the truth and he, and he told her the truth in love. One of the most difficult things uh, that we f- find in, in couples or to get couples to do is to just speak the truth to one another um, and admit when we've done wrong uh, rather than skirt around it or rationalize it or excuse it and, and just say, you know, hey, I was wrong or, or honey, that, that piece of advice really doesn't help me. Or if we hear our spouse say something that isn't wise or we detect a questionable motive, we tend to not say the hard thing. Uh, how much better would it be if we just said, you know, honey, you know, I realize you've got my good at heart, but I honestly have to say that you know, I, I don't agree with it. I think it's unwise for you to suggest that. I, it even goes back to you know, something um, we looked at, I believe it was last week, where you know, there are people who can love us in, in ways that we can't even comprehend. People that genuinely have nothing uh, but our best intentions at mind, but because we were broken people, sometimes the advice we get from others just um, it, it's not going to be good advice. Uh, there may be times that the Holy Spirit is leading us in a, in a direction uh, that that is that that maybe doesn't seem on the outside to maybe look like a great idea, but that's the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and God's word is aligning with what the Holy Spirit's telling me to do. And and but nobody else can understand that. So there may be times that we may get some. Uh, get some bad advice, uh, but always listen to her and, and, and speak the truth. So listen well uh, and speak the truth. And I would add to, to speak the truth in love. You know, we can, uh, well, we'll get a little bit more about how we talk to our wives later. Um, second thing is this, teach her what you've learned about God. Now, the implication here is, is that you are learning something about God. You can't teach if you're not learning. And so, uh, men, I challenge you, get into the Word, spend spend adequate uh, time in prayer and 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 learn uh, who God is and learn about God and, and what God's doing in your life and how God's doing it in your life. Um, it, because clearly that's what Job did. You know, his response, shall we accept good from God and not accept adversity? And that was a lesson that Job had learned about the Lord over the, the years that he'd walked with him. And so, so he explained, you know, you and I have to understand that our God isn't a God who provides only health and, 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 and prosperity and, and, and blesses us in those ways. Um, he's our sovereign master. He's, he's Lord over everything that happens in our, in our lives. If it's our home or our business or, or, or whatever it may be. And, 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 and honey, even including what we're going through now, our loss and, and our condition, Job says, is, isn't a surprise to God. This is his will for us. He's having his way in all this. He's still God. And, and the truth is, godly women are teachable women. And men, that's the truth for us too. So it's not just for them. Godly men are teachable men. But as we, as men, teach our, our wives and, and teach our children, we have to remember to use gentle, gracious words. Um, and, and to remember that, that, husbands, if we're suffering, um, chances are your wives are too. So be gentle and loving uh, when teaching and and. And so teach your, what, teach your wife what you've learned uh, about God. 
And number three goes back, you know, we, we, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but, but let's talk about this for a minute. Number three is this, model verbal purity. Uh, if we look at the rest of verse 10, it says, In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Uh, we see that kind of echoes a phrase that we see at the end of chapter 1. In verse 22, in all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. And so we kind of take those things, and, and, I, and, and, and Job never cursed God, but I don't think Job cursed his wife either. Uh, but the reality is that we tend to be completely comfortable around our wives. And because we're completely comfortable around our wives, we tend to be unguarded in our words. Um, and, and wives usually get the brunt of that. Uh, we will speak to our wives uh, in, in ways that we would never speak to anybody else for the sole reason that our guard is down and our comfort level is up. And so we just speak to them. So, so men, let me challenge you, restrain yourself from verbal impurity. And, and, and let me challenge you to model verbal purity. You see, it's not so much what we say, it's how we say it. it, it for example, if, if, I say, if I say, honey, um, could you please fix me a cup of coffee before I head out to the office? That's one thing. But if I say, honey, would you please fix me a cup of coffee before I head to the office? I've said the same thing but I've really not said the same thing. Two of the same sentences, word for word, but I've said two completely different things. And that's part of this verbal purity. Um, how we say things, how we speak to our wives, and, and, and be careful how you talk to your wife. Love her, don't scold her. Job didn't curse God and he didn't curse his wife. And, and so if you must disagree, like when you're speaking the truth to her, if you've got to disagree, do it with tenderness. Understand this. When, when, when God saw that it was not good for man to be alone, and he created a, 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 a Eve, and, and, and it wasn't, you know, you've heard the, 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 the old saying, he didn't create her from his head where she would be over him, or create her from his feet where he would be over her, but he created her from a rib so that they would be equals. And we've got to understand that our wives are our partners. Uh, they are not our servants. Uh, they are not our possession. Uh, they are our partners. They are a treasure. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And we need to be treasuring our wives. And so one way we do that is by modeling verbal purity. And number four is this, accept her completely, love her unconditionally. Our wives thrive in a context of, of, of love and acceptance. Um, at a, in a certain degree, our wives are who they are. Um, God has made her or is making her into the woman she, she is or is becoming. Uh, and, and let me remind you this. She is the wife you chose. And so we are to treasure, treasure our wives. Um, she is, it has become or is becoming the woman that God is making her into. And, and that calls for complete acceptance and unconditional love on your part. So tell her how much she means to you. Tell her how much you love her. I read, I read one time about a, a couple whose the wife was struggling because her husband never, never told her that uh, she, she, he loved her. And so finally, in, in, when she'd come to the end of her rope, she just says something to her. She says, honey, why, why do you not tell me you, why do you not say you love me anymore? 
And the husband's reply was, you know, kind of typical man. He said, honey, I told you once, if things ever change, I'll let you know. You know, he was kind of operating under this assumption, well, I told her she should know and nothing's changed, so why revisit it? And, and I'm not, that's completely silly logic. And what I'm saying is, is tell her how much she means to you. Talk about her value in your life. Uh, just like we as men want to know, you know, our worth and, and, and what we're doing for our families, like there's a, a need that we have there. Tell her about her value in your life. Um, let her know how beautiful she is and how much you love her and how wonderful a mother she is and, 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 and speak the truth to her, you know, and, and, and let her know those things. And when the trials of life fire up, walk close to her. Too many guys, man, we look for a way out when the fires get hot, when things get difficult, man, all of a sudden, all those tasks that we've been putting off, the firewood that needs to be split, the yard that needs to be mowed, the garden that needs to be tilled, the fish that need to be caught, all those things, like all of a sudden, they become a priority in our life, and we come home, and instead of spending that time with our wife, kind of discussing the day and 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 bearing her burdens with her and, 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 and walking with her in the trials of, of her life, we're like, oh, you know, I forgot the, the garage needs to be cleaned out. And we don't want to clean out the garage. We just don't want to uh, deal with, with what our wives may be suffering through. And so accept her completely, love her uh, conditionally. And, and, and again, one of these reasons why this, 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 these marriage relationships are so crucial is because it is something that the world sees and, and, is, and is an illustration of, of our relationship uh, with Christ. Um, and, and so that, that marriage relationship is so crucial to, to a testimony. And, 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 and if we were to boil down what the problems are in, in most of our marriages, we could probably point to one or two specific things, but the reality is, is that we are just broken people. Uh, we are sinners and, and there's nothing, nothing we can do to fix that in ourselves. Um, as I sit here, there's nothing I can do to fix my sin problem. Uh, there's no self-help book. Um, there's nothing I can, you know, I, I can't even read through the scriptures and make out a list of things I need to be doing and, and things I need to not be doing because the, the reality is I'm just going to fail at those things because there's something else that I really need. And that something else is a relationship with Christ. You see, as we get into the rest of this, we see Job's three friends, and there's lessons to be learned from his relationship uh, with his friends and how they come, and, and you know, their intent is for them to come and help, but they really don't help. They should have just sat there in silence, but instead they open their mouths. But the reality is that my relationship with my wife and her relationship with me as her husband, my relationship with my friends, all those relationships uh, have 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 a have the same foundation, and that foundation is what my relationship with Christ is like. Uh, I I can I can point to times in my marriage where things maybe were a little bit rocky, and and, and it was a direct result of where my relationship with Christ was at, was at the time, or or maybe where my wife's relationship with Christ was at the time, and how we had allowed other things outside of, of our lives to begin crowding out Christ and it created problems at home. And so that relationship with Christ is so crucial and, and he is the one that deals with our sin problem. He's the only one who, who, who was born and, and lived a, a sinless perfect life. He's the only one who went to the cross to die for sin. He's the only one who, uh, rose from the dead. He's the only one that is 
it, that is the, the, the image of the invisible God. He's the only one that is the Word made flesh. He is the only begotten Son uh, of God who came to this earth, who lived, who died, who rose again uh, in order to deal with our sin problem, that, that He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And so if there was, you know, if there's anything we take away from that, it's just this, this concept that, that, that relationships are going to be broken unless our relationship with Christ is, is right. And as our relationship with Him grows, our relationship and our ability to be in relationships with other people are just going to, is going to be strengthened. And, and our relationship with our spouses are going to be strengthened. So as we take these things away, um, understand that, that, that the basic foundation of all this is our relationship with Christ. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if, if maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ, that, that today would be that day. Uh, the Bible tells us that um, to have a relationship with Him, we, we, we believe, um, we, we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that, 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 uh, that, that uh, Jesus um, rose from the dead. And, and, and so for us, you know, it, it's that belief, and maybe you're in a place this morning where where there's just some things you don't understand about God, and that's okay. Um, you know, I've been I've been saved for a while now, and there's still things that I that I wrestle with that I'm still trying to get an understanding of. But the important thing is 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 giving all of you to all that you understand about God, and 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 the and the beginning of that is understanding that that you're a sinner, and Christ died for your sins and died that He might bring us to God, that we would have a relationship with Him. And, and understand that He has promised us life and, and, and promised it abundantly. And so uh, let me encourage you this morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, to do that. The uh, second thing would be to allow Christ to begin healing our hearts. Maybe there's some, some hurt and some, some wounds from, from relationships that, that we've just not allowed Christ to come in and and heal. Maybe we are, are holding, withholding forgiveness and, to other people. Um, but let me encourage you, forgive uh, as Christ has forgiven us and allow God to begin healing those wounds and, and pray for your spouse. Take time to, to, to pray for them. And they need to hear those prayers, not just come home and say, hey, baby, I prayed for you today. But in the evening, take time after the kids go to bed to kneel in prayer together. And, and, and husbands, pray over your wives, pray for your wives. Um, and wives, pray over your husbands. There's no greater time for that bonding to take place and over uh, some time spent before our Lord in prayer. So let me pray, uh, and then we'll tie things up. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the truth in it, whether it's direct truth that comes out of it or just lessons that we can learn as we sit and ponder and meditate on your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction, Lord, as, as we open up your word. And Father, I pray that as the people who are listening to this break open your word this week, as they open their Bibles, as they maybe look at it on their phone, God, that your Holy Spirit would just speak to their hearts, that the words of your book would come to life because we know your word is alive and powerful. And God, we know that you desire to do a work in your people. And so God, I pray that you would uh, continue to work in us. God, I pray that we would uh, respond to the work you're doing in us. God, if you're asking us to take a step, that we would respond in faith. God, if you're doing some correction in us, that we would repent and that we would uh, ask your forgiveness and we would respond in that way. But God, I pray that you would help us to be faithful in our response to you and that we would respond in the way that you're calling us to 
as a result of having spent that time in your word. God, I pray for marriages, for the marriages of those that are listening this morning. Uh, God, I pray that you would just bless them. God, I pray that, they're, that they would no longer settle for just surviving in their marriages, God, but you would give them a desire to thrive in those marriages and in that relationship, God, that there would be openness and there would be unity and there would be truth and there would be love. But God, I pray above all, Lord, that those marriages and relationships would be centered on our relationship with Christ. And God, as we do that, that you would just allow marriage to just come in full bloom for us. That we, would be, that we would recognize the blessing that it is, that we would recognize the blessing that our spouses is, are, and God, that you would just bless our marriages, Lord, that, that, that the world would see what you're doing in our marriages, Lord, and, and, and begin to ask questions that we might have an opportunity to share Christ with a world in need. So, Father, we love you, and God, we just thank you for loving us, and God, we just ask and pray that you would help us to glorify you in everything that we say, do, and think, for it's in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.